0: You've reached Hoop and Holler, a square one podcast on basketball and other shenanigans.
1: Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by you know, ESPN anytime soon
0: because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection.
2: And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap.
1: It comes from at underscore underscore uh, klu 2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact <laughs> that really you knew there were two underscores before the... To <laughs> at underscore underscore Kalu, he knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. <laughs> but at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. We are in the heat of it, gentlemen. The NBA season is um, upon us, and it's about time to start, you know, maybe not overreacting to some of these early games, but start extrapolating some actual ideas from what we're getting. And that's what we're going to do today. Start buying or selling some of these teams and some of the outputs that they've been putting on the court. But before we get into that, as always, i got to ask the question, how are we doing today?
2: Uh, Pretty good. Pretty good. I love overreacting, trying to make predictions. Um... Because then it makes you look good, you know, at the end. Or bad. If if you analyze basketball.
1: (laughs) Or bad. There's definitely some swings and misses there. What about yourself, Eddie?
0: I mean, you'll never look bad because no one ever brings up the stuff they got wrong. But, I mean, (laughs) I'm doing well, but I I, got to throw the question to you, Reagan, because we never ask you. How are you doing?
1: You never ask me. I appreciate that, Eddie. I appreciate that. Julio would never ask me that. He would just be like, oh, Reagan sucks (laughs) at basketball. Reagan's trash. (laughs) He sucks, but... I'm doing all right, man. I'm chilling. Just got back out. I flew back out to Cali um, last night. I have kind of funny thing on the airplane. I literally watched a quarter of four separate movies, but I didn't finish any of them because we're not wasting time in 2021. We're not. We're not. I'm not doing it. If I don't like the movie, I'm not going to sit through the rest of the movie. If I'm not feeling the movie, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, that's, that's, the, that's the mantra for 2021. No waste of time. Everything everything has a purpose. But with that said, let's go ahead and get into the purpose of this episode. Actually, hold on. We got some news for you. Julio, I know you wanted to address this because I think it changes kind of your vision of what could have been or probably still is one of the better teams in the NBA, the, the Brooklyn Nets. But Spencer Dinwiddie's out of there. He tore his ACL, and he's out for the season. What do we think this does to the Brooklyn Nets in terms of their championship aspirations?
2: You know, it, it, it's really tough to look at it because – In my opinion, the loss of Spencer Dinwiddie means more than if, you know, in another scenario, if they lost Karis LeVert. Because Karis LeVert is more uh, of, you know, a a scoring punch off the bench that they don't necessarily need, but it's nice to have. Spencer Dinwiddie, yes, he can go get you 20. But what he provides is a ball handler, aside from Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie, who, I mean, and, and Karis LeVert, who has no issues distributing the ball. And he's a good passer. He's a willing passer. And, and that's the best thing about him, that you can put him next to guys like Karis and Kyrie and KD. And, you know, he, he's not going to have an issue not scoring or not getting his 15, 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he really means a lot to that team. And I'm, and I'm very, very curious how they're going to look. Maybe not so much in the regular season, but in, in the playoffs, obviously they still have a lot of firepower. Are they still the favorites for me in the East? Probably. But, you know, the, I just don't want to underestimate that you know, the loss of Spencer Dunwoody.
0: Yeah. Yeah, first off, it sucks for Spencer because he was on those next teams when you know, everyone thought that they would suck and they probably should have sucked, but him and, you know, that ragtag team of, you know, a bunch of dudes, you know, took them to the playoffs and Spencer was such a huge piece of that and, you know, I mean, during that time, Spencer turned himself from a free NBA guy to a legit NBA guard. So it kind of sucks that this is his contract year, his first year where he actually gets to play with some expectations. And, you know, he doesn't even get five games into the season. He has to you know sit up for the rest of it. So I think that's the main thing. I feel bad for Dinwiddie. But then also for the Nets, it's definitely a big loss because that to me is their third best player, Dinwiddie, or at least the third most impactful player. So, I mean, that those are kind of big shoes to fill. And I know everybody thinks Kyrie and KD can carry the brunt of the weight there. But the truth is, you know, like, there's too many good duos in the NBA where the third and fourth and fifth guy after that starts to matter. And once you lose Dinwiddie and you talk about LeVert need to, needing to take another step up, you know, needing better production from guys like, I don't know, like Torian Prince or something like that, you know, then it's like kind of dicey and the Nets who – maybe were, you know, overwhelming favorites, you know, I, I, I think that anyone objectively would have to knock them down
2: a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, in
2: my in my opinion, just really quickly, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, to me, he gave Kyrie and KD the opportunity to just be what they are at their core, just scores, while he can facilitate and distribute the ball. Now, Kyrie has to take some of those responsibilities up. So. Um, yeah, big loss for the Nets.
1: So they've been starting the one dude, and I'm going to butcher his name, but like Timothy Lua, like TLC is what they call him or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I'm not quite sure how he fits into that starting lineup. And I kind of recall in the beginning of the season, Eddie was out of pocket and saying Bruce Brown might be starting on that team. But, you know, I could foresee a situation where Bruce Brown actually gets some starters minutes if, if Steve Nash wants to play around with it a little bit. When we talk about what that starting lineup needs TLC from my understanding of his game is more of like an ISO bucket getter which I don't think they need any more of that on that starting lineup you need somebody who can kind of take the helm of a Spencer Dinwiddie take a step back and kind of be a facilitator Um, and Bruce Brown's I guess a pretty good defender that's what people I mean you're the Bruce Brown expert around here Eddie you tell me but I feel like he fits better in that starting lineup than TLC I
0: mean TLC's He's not really an ISO bucket getter. He's like Joe Harris, but you know, like Kirkland Brand. You know, Joe Harris. Kirkland Brand. He, you know, just Yo. he's like he's like he's like you know a, a shooter, spot up shooter, uh off movement shooter, but not as good. And then obviously defensively, you're gonna have a lot of issues with him, especially if you play him with um Joe Harris. So I don't know. I I think Bruce Brown makes a lot of sense. I, I didn't really foresee myself becoming some sort of Bruce Brown or I just think he's a good player. <laughs> you're here now. And you're here. You're if, here. <laughs> if, if Brooklyn acquired him and traded for him, you'd think that they traded for him for a reason. So, yeah. I don't know. Start him, why not? Why he not? can defend and he can pass the ball.
1: One or From one point guard to another, though, uh, this is another horn that you're going to like to two Eddie, but your boy Steph has been hooping lately. And a lot of people had a a lot of negative things to say about him, but hey, the Christmas wish that I had is starting to come true. Or the, was that a Christmas wish? That was a New Year's wish. A New hey, Year's New wish New that New I New had New that Draymond could kind of come in and, you know, obviously he's not going to drop 20 Julio. You know, you know, what do you think the difference has been? You think it just magically Draymond gets inserted and Steph just, you know, in isolation okay, just happens okay, to start okay. playing
2: better? Okay, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but has he helped? Sure. But what what has been the driving force of them getting wins, Steph performing well, and the team just looking better? It's Steph taking more, I guess, responsibility on the offensive end, being more... Not selfish, because he doesn't play like that, but just taking more shots and Steph being MVP Steph.
1: I think it's a combination it's of like, two things. And one is that you have Draymond back, and he has a better understanding of how to play with Stephen Curry than anyone else on that team, right? And number two is that the other guys are starting to come along a little bit in understanding the system, like Wiggins, like Oubre, um, like Eric Pascal. Those guys are coming along a little bit better than they were <laughs> at the beginning of the season. But, Eddie, I'll defer to you since you're the guy who probably pays the most attention to this team.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say this doesn't have to be exclusive. Obviously, Steph plays is starting to play a little bit more "quote unquote" selfish, but also Draymond, like you said, Reagan is the guy in the league. You know, of anyone in the league that knows Steph and knows how to play with Steph the best, like he knows how to set him up. I don't know. Um, there was this one play that they highlighted on Twitter, which was like Steph's like 50th point or something, where they trap Steph and he throws it out to Draymond for the outlet. He fakes, you know, a drive toward the dr- uh, a drive toward the rim to fake like a four-on-three situation. Immediately doubles back, you know, hands the ball to Steph, screens his man, you know, Steph gets the open three. It's just, it's the stuff like that that's really. I mean, I get it. It's like obviously you need Steph. No, it's not driving.
1: that hard, need need bro. Okay, it, bro. It might not be that hard, but like the other weird. guys don't get that stuff. Like I get it. Like it's kind of obvious. No, a, lot,
0: a lot of players can do what Draymond does throughout the course of a game. But the difference is in the processing speed. The difference is in like the instantaneous, telepathic sort of connection between him and Steph, and that's why I'm saying it's. That's why I'm saying like it's more so Steph elevating guys like Draymond. But let's not detract from the fact that guys like Draymond, you know, also kind of in a in a what do you call it mutual way, help benefit Steph as well. So, but I mean, I, I'm not really even here to talk about Draymond, even though I'm glad that he's playing well and back with the team. I just think it's funny that, you know, Steph had such a, I guess, by what a lot of people said, kind of a garbage first four games or something. And then obviously he went off for 62 points or whatever it was, you know, had another good game. And all of a sudden he's like a a, a front runner for MVP. It's like, it's just kind of wild how far we sway from one end to the other when we talk about Steph. Like, it's okay to talk about superstars and criticize them. Like, we're allowed to criticize superstars and say that they had a bad game or they didn't live up to expectations. But I don't know why Steph, more than any other guy in the league, we go from talking about is he even, like, a real superstar on one day, and the next day we're talking about him, like, he's going to win the MVP guarantee.
2: It's just kind of crazy. Well, you did drop KD to nine, so... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just joking Man. I'm just joking I, I, I didn't say I talking
1: about that bro. Yeah. Kind of, You
2: know fraudulent like, I'm, just, I'm just joking No but um, on the step point I love you know uh, we all love watching him have fun on the court just like Reagan mentioned uh, a few days ago when he was when he got that you know 62 point game uh, it, it's just magical to watch and, and a great sight to see and uh, I mean there's really no other player that can capture an audience like Steph ever, maybe in history. Um, and the thing about the Warriors is that I, I said it at the beginning of the season, the only way that they're going to be above 500 right now, they're four and three above 500 is if Steph is MVP Steph. That's the only way. And what is he doing right now? Can you right
1: agree? Right can can you agree, though? And I Sorry to cut you off. But can you agree that Steph no, cannot be MVP Steph without players on the court like Draymond Green who understand how to play with him? We've seen that, it. That's it's just not That's insulting
2: possible. to Steph Curry. It, we saw insulting.
1: it. We literally just watched it. He couldn't <laughs> do it with Kelly Oubre when he didn't understand how to play with him. In because Green. he
2: wasn't. He, because he wasn't
1: asserting So it, you so. think those two things just happened to happen at the same time? Draymond Green just so happens to get on the court, and then Steph's like, "You know what? I'm gonna start trying today." You're like, "No." Well,
2: yeah, because they were like one in four. I would start trying too.
1: Oh my gosh, Eddie, back me up here. You know what happened, bro? You, Eddie. I don't.
0: I I really I I don't think it's all that insulting. Like again, Draymond's skills, like quote unquote skills, are so oh, perfect okay. and so basic. But I'm saying that these are crucial skills, like mental yeah. processing, the IQ stuff. Might be the most important part of the game. You know, he's not gonna outrun everyone, outjump everyone, unless he's telling Wiggins to you know come across the court. <laughs> and uh, you know, he's not gonna outshoot anybody. You know, outdribble anybody. He's not gonna do any of that stuff. But the, the thing is, you know, the, the the limitations that Draymond has, and which is why on any other team he would have never got a max contract in another hundred million dollars. Like that's what his value is to the Warriors and to Steph specifically, and that matters. So. I mean I again I get both sides of this. I think that we can't be disrespecting Draymond, you know, like at some at one point he was a top 10 player in the league or top 10 impactful player in the league, but you know, again it's like Steph, oh. Steph is the engine and and Steph there helps Draymond.
1: Just uh, just,
2: well. just just audience members please just ignore that <laughs> Okay, last detach but,
1: detach but, me from that statement. I agreed with everything he said up until top 10 player. Like I was with you all the way up till then. But you know what? I agree with everything else you said. I don't want to beat that horse too much. Julio, get your last word in.
2: Yeah. uh, Last thing on on Steph. uh, I just want to hit you guys up when Steph struggles one night and see what Draymond's effect is then.
1: (laughs) Bro, we going off one-game sample sizes, bro? We going off one-game sample (laughs) sizes now? Could have just had an off night, but... Let's go ahead and get into the meat of today's show, which is buying or selling some of these teams around the NBA. Obviously, you know, on the Hoop and Holler Show, we don't just do the regular Milwaukee Bucks, Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Clippers. We're going to get into some of the other teams that don't get talked about as much. And what we're going to start with is the Phoenix Suns, who are sitting at third in the West right now. So are we buying or selling the Phoenix Suns as a potential top three team in the Western Conference?
2: You can go ahead, Eddie. All right, um, this is
0: 100% buy. I'm throwing all my money, you know, into the Phoenix
1: Suns. Like You, I lo- all you lost all your money back. already, though. You lost all yeah, your
0: money. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't have the 50K, bro. Exactly. Gotta- I was just, just going to say from the million I made from draining that three-point shot. <laughs> but I want to say that I was wrong about the Suns because in our episode uh, with our Western Conference predictions, I said that they're a C-tier team. I said that I'm not sure, given how young that team is, how well they'll mesh together, and I think I'm ready to say that, even though it's only you know six or seven games into the season, I'm ready to say that the Phoenix Suns are an eight-tier team, and they might be like the third or fourth or fifth best team in the West with oh. a real shot at making the the conference um, championship. And no the reason, reason for that is one, like they're number four in net rating right now, number three in defense across the league. But the most impressive thing to me is that, you know, Devin Booker has not even played like a superstar yet. He's only averaging like 21 a game. And CP3, you know, he's been impactful just by being there, his presence. But he's only shot like 41% from the field. He's not that assertive, which is telling me that they're playing like the fourth best team in the league right now, and they have potential to grow. And watching them play against the Clippers and get down 31 and fight and claw all the way back and have themselves a chance to win that game I think it really showed me a lot about what kind of team that is. And I'm just really impressed with all of the role players. Mikael Bridges yeah. is looking like one of the best role players in the league right now with you know even more potential to grow. Cam Payne has all of a sudden become a good NBA player. Shout out Memphis. I mean, that's good for him. <laughs> but, you know, Cam Johnson, you know, I guess steal of a draft pick last year when everyone thought they reached on him. And Dario Saric has always been one of my guys. I think he's going to be really good as a, as a backup center for them. But Again, it's like their role players are already defending like crazy, making shots. Um, once their superstars come around, especially in that Monty Williams system, which has them moving the ball super well, um, I think really th- this team has a super high ceiling. So I- I'm ready to say that. Don't be surprised if they make a you know conference, the, the conference series this year.
2: Mm. You see, I, I, I always want to... <laughs> when there's times I, I agree with you, Eddie, you always got to throw in an indirect... <laughs> Kind of like subtle shot at someone that I like, and, and I like how you mentioned everyone except Jay Crowder. What's your beef with Jay Crowder? Oh, no, 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 okay. no, no, no that, yeah. that's not. No, that, no, that's not on purpose. I just like oh, no, Jay Crowder's
0: been great for them too. Man, Jay Crowder,
1: man. honestly, man, like I didn't realize this till he got to Memphis. He might be the most underrated passer in the NBA, bro. That dude can facilitate as it's like once he, like in the secondary position, right? You obviously don't give him the ball to run the offense, but He's a great secondary decision-maker, man. Jay Crowder can move that rock.
2: Um, and, and just, you know, back to the Phoenix Suns, uh, what Eddie mentioned is the exact point that I wanted to focus on. Devin Booker is not playing, like, the dark horse, I guess, MVP candidate that I predicted him to be or mm-hmm. kind of wanted him to be. And that's a good-ass sign for the Suns. And it's, especially, you know, with CP3, too, it's not like they're scratching – and crawling for these wins. They need Devin Booker to score 50. They need CP, you know, to to get 30 and 12 or, or something crazy like that. They're excelling without having to exert themselves, really. But my points, my, my overall kind of judgment of, that, of this team still stands that I had at the beginning of the season, and that's, it's all dependent on DeAndre Ayton. To me, they can't be... Uh, where you think they are, Eddie, um, as a top three team, maybe in the West, but it's all dependent on De- DeAndre Ayton. And I just, I, for lack of a better you know phrase or term, you said you said it perfectly to me in the group chat a few days ago. You said he plays kind of dumb, and it's sometimes he just makes some senseless, like stupid moves on the court where it's like. Bro, you're not AD, you're not, you know, he's a big dude, just power up. You don't need to complicate so many things on the court. And it's just, you know, just simplify whether it's your offense or what you do on the court because, to me, his, ascend, his ascendance is, is what's going to determine whether the Suns are an A-tier team, like a real contender to be in the Western Conference Finals or, you know, just a B-tier team and, you know, a second-round exit.
1: To me, I look at Aiden, and it's kind of a tough predicament, right? Because he's the he was the number one overall pick, right? You come in, you're the number one draft pick. People are expecting you to be a star. You're expecting yourself to be a star, and usually that takes place on the offensive side of the ball, right? And that's kind of what Aiden was heralded for coming out of college was his refined post game and this that and the other. Um, but given that you have a guy like Chris Paul and a guy like Devin Booker on your team now, that's not exactly what's going to be asked of you anymore. If I'm Monty Williams. I'm pulling Aiden aside, I'm pulling him into my office, I'm like, yo dude, do we have a slim chance at a championship? But hell, it's a chance, and it's contingent on your being a defensive powerhouse. That's what I need you to focus on, because if we are going to, you know, hang with some of these Western Conference teams, and we're talking about Jokic's, and we're talking about Anthony Davis's, that's going to be ultimately on your shoulders, because I'm not throwing Jalen Smith out there to go defend anybody, that's you that's going to have to handle that, so... I think if Ayton descends on that side of the ball and becomes a, a great post-defender on some of these great bigs in the NBA, you could be looking at what Eddie's talking about. But right now, I'm not sure if I can buy them as a three-seed. I think I'm buying them as a team that can be a pretty good regular season team, but they won't be looking like a three-seed come playoff time. I don't see it.
2: Yeah, um, and, and to me with Ayton, to help, you know, I, I guess, improve his maybe offensive numbers, efficiency, whatever... I mean to me it's really not that complicated. He's not a bad shooter, you know. Mm. He he can shoot in the middle. So if you just put him in a lot of, you know, pick and roll actions or actions where he's kind of rolling and kind of picking and popping, not so much out to the 3, but to the, you know, mid-range area, he can be dangerous there. He doesn't have to post up you know, eight feet away from the basket, do a shimmy, you know, turn around, jump over the right shoulder like AD. That's just not his game, and it shouldn't be his game because um, they don't need him to be like that. Um, but it, but in terms of buying them as the third-best team in the West, I'm, I'm going to have to sell on that sure. um, ju- just just at that, you know. Maybe, maybe they might be third in the West in the regular season, just like you mentioned, Ray. But once it comes playoff time, it's – Uh, It would would be tough for me to put them there. But would I be surprised if they did end up being there? No, because you got, you know, it's not only young guys, but you have a guy like CP3 who can really carry that mantle and who has that experience in the playoffs. I I mean, I will say that there are some other
0: teams in the West that should be considered, like, more favorites than Phoenix. But in a seven-game series, they have a lot of players – that can give a lot of these teams fits in terms of who, who can guard CP3, who can guard D-Book, and on the flip side, Phoenix has a lot of ways to guard your star players. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the last thing. I'm not saying they're the third best team, but, again, those matchups, when I look at them more and more, it's, like, it, it's very intriguing.
1: Okay. All right, on the flip side, we just went from a Western Conference team who's doing better than some people might have expected. Let's talk about an Eastern Conference team who's doing worse than a lot of people might have expected, and that's the Toronto Raptors. They're not playing in Toronto right now. They're playing in Tampa Bay. Ooh, that yeah. city is not doing them any favors right now because they are not hooping. They are what, three and four? Um, with a below average record and uh Pascal's not looking that great. Kyle Lowry's like okay. Fred Van Vliet, I don't think is looking all that good. So what are we think are we buying or selling this Raptors team as having fallen off the cliff? Is this the end of the, the this era of the Raptors being a pretty good franchise?
2: Um uh- now they're on pace to win 12, it sounds crazy but 12 games by the end of the season and are they going to exceed that mar- that marker uh, yeah I mean most likely unless something crazy happens but I mean my overall point with this team is that Pascal Siakam and I've been saying this um, is not elite and he's not close to being elite we might have jumped so, the gun
1: on dude bro Huh? I said we might have jumped the gun on dude Like,
2: yeah yeah I, I just I just don't think he's anywhere near being elite. And maybe it's because they wanted maybe the media or or the Toronto organization or some fans wanted him to fulfill that, I guess, wing role that they lost with DeMar, with Kawhi. Um, But he's just not that guy. He's not that guy. So, um, and obviously it goes much deeper than that. They lost Ibaka. They lost Marc Gasol. But this team just kind of feels worn out to me. Do they still have talent? Yes. Uh, Do I think they're still going to make the playoffs? Yes. But I think they've fallen off the pedestal where, you know, in previous years they were a lock to be a top three seed at the very least. Mm -hmm. But now I I just feel like they've for sure, you know, fallen off that pedestal. So I'm selling my stock on on the Raptors.
1: So Eddie, I know you are a huge Nick Nurse guy, so I guess – I'll frame it like this for you. Can Nick Nurse coach this team to a higher level than what we've seen thus far?
0: I think they will end up looking better than they have so far, but I'm kind of out on them being a team that can, you know, be a pest to the top of the Eastern teams. And that kind of surprises me because Toronto's a team that you just want to assume that plays way above, you know, what their talent is, because they play super hard and play super smart. But they just don't look like that this season. And it might really be the end of a kind of a Toronto run, which is funny because I think some people feel like it's a beginning with Pascal and, and OG and Anobi. But the truth is they've been kind of contending for like six years now. So naturally their window's kind of closing and they should probably, should probably be thinking about um, kind of refreshing it, maybe doing like a, t- like a tiny rebuild. But definitely number one priority is I'm not sure what happened to Pascal because it's not like he wasn't good a couple of years ago. Like, dude looked good. And it just feels like he's in his head or something. Because it, it's not for lack of skill.
2: I'm saying, like, the, the dude is pretty good. I just – I'm just I mean, not sure what happened to him. He's good, but he's not great. And that's you, – you need greatness when it comes to a number one guy on a championship team. He's just not he, – he's a very good role player. I mean, that, that, that's what he is. And when you say he has good skills, I just – I disagree with
1: that. Ooh, he's long.
2: Very... He does a lot of spin moves and Ooh. he can finish. I think you know, he's a he step made...
1: beyond very good role player though. I, I think like what Jalen Brown was last year before he really started popping off this year. That's kind of the rare I would have put Pascal Siakam like in between role player least, and star.
2: But at least Jalen Brown can I can rely on him to, you know, go into pick and roll, make a good pass or two and, you know, hit a mid-range shot, fadeaway shot. And that's Pascal Siakam just... I can't rely on him to do that. Hmm.
0: Because I watched him cook Draymond in the final series, so I'm just saying, that's not a barrage. Like, it takes... It, t- it takes some t- – I'm, I'm serious. It takes some talent to go, like, 12 for 12 or something in that finals game.
1: You're triggering so, Julio right now. He's like, on again, bro? <laughs> Why are we talking about this guy?
0: But also, I mean, before we move on, just – this kind of shows how much Toronto was hinging on Giannis going there because mm-hmm. now we're looking at the future prospects. They created all this salary cap room next year, and for what? You know, they're not going to get anybody. So – and Kyle Lowry's probably going to leave, and he's 35 anyways – you know, you're talking about doling out a lot of money to Fred Van Vliet and hoping on jumps from OG and Anobi and Pascal getting better. And it's possible, but it's not a great place to be at, you know, in as a franchise. And I wouldn't be surprised if Masai Ujiri actually yes. bounces after this season, yep. after every year yep. people talking about him maybe leaving.
1: Interesting. All right, let's move on to another team in the East. The New York Mix don't look awful. Buying or selling that.
2: I'm selling that. I mean, they're young. They're playing inspired. They played kind of a bad schedule, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, Tom Thibodeau has them playing, again, inspired and playing hard. Um, this is going to wear off once opponents get better. A. B. Tom Thibodeau wears them out. And C. Julius Randle, I mean, yes, he can. Okay. Yeah, I, I love how the Lakers draft and we always trade them for, you know, superstar pieces or our, our draft picks. And I love that he's playing well and he's found a home in New York. But it's just not good basketball to me. Like, I mean, he's one of those players kind of like Kyle Kuzma. He'll ball on a bad team. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not buying this record at all. They're, they're slated to finish the season with 41 wins. They're not going to come close to that market, in my opinion. First off, I hope all these Knicks players have insurance
0: policies taken out for their health, because Thibodeau got them playing like 42 <laughs> minutes a game right now, which is, I mean, I feel like I feel like that's a violation of like labor, you know, the, the players union or something, like seriously, but I mean, credit to Thibodeau though, because he knows how to make a team defend and play hard, and after Minnesota, yeah. maybe it wasn't Minnesota, literally Wiggins and Towns didn't feel like defending, because... He has New York defending really well, but I'm definitely selling because they're not going to keep this up. You know, you can only rely on motivation and playing hard for so long before that lack of talent kind of shows up. And that team is still not a good construction. Like I know everyone likes Julius Randall dropping the whatever 25 and 10 right now, or 25 10 and 8, whatever his numbers are. But it's not going to stay there, and those numbers are kind of inflated anyways. Um, again, I mean, this team is rebuilding, so it doesn't matter. They're going to be worse, on, and hopefully they, they end up with a good draft pick out of it and start building from there.
1: Sub-question, buying or selling R.J. Barrett's improvement?
2: So, has he improved? I don't,
1: he's, I don't I mean, like he's him getting, as a he's, player. He's to,
2: getting... to, me, to me, that's the perfect point, Eddie. He hasn't improved. He has two good games and spurts, you know, of good to very good games with a whole bunch of, or maybe not a whole bunch of, but a few bad games following that up. He just—he's not a good passer. He—he he, people like to think when he came out of the draft that he's a good passer because he likes to turn his head away when he passes, and you know he—he he has that aura about him just because he's a lefty.
1: People well, think lefties saw. are the smoke, He said, <laughs> "Your look away <laughs> yeah. passes aren't fooling me." <laughs>
0: Pe- pe- people hey, think. Hey, hey, hey people. People gotta say that about Lamelo Ball
2: too. Get whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa! whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, he's a good
2: passer whoa, 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 whoa. though. He's a yeah. good passer. No, <laughs> um, but no, but people automatically assume that left-handed players are somehow great passers and great shooters. RJ Barrett is neither. He's not. <laughs> wow. a, he's not a good shooter. Hey, he, ge- yo. he gets hot. He gets hot sometimes. And okay. The only time he pops off in games are when his defenders don't study him enough. He only goes left to the basket. He refuses to go right. (laughs) And, like, he's strong and he's big, so sometimes he can power his way through. His points are so ugly. It's 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 one of the worst things to watch. I swear you're
1: describing that, my game right now. You're describing your Knicks, game, my game to me. He only goes one <laughs> way. If you study him. He's strong. He might get some Knicks, ugly points, but like, mixed <laughs> Nick's basketball
2: is. I, I guess that's the perfect phrase. Ugly points. Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. I mean, it's pretty ugly points, and they're both lefties. They both get hot sometimes, but it just looks ugly
1: to me. So, fun fact: so. Eddie thinks I look like Julius Randle, and I'll never forgive him for <laughs> that. That's just an egregious statement. That, like, that's that's unforgivable. Anyways, let's go I, ahead and I, move on. I,
0: I just, I just wanna, I just wanna thank Julio for bringing up that for some reason people think lefties are some sort of player. Because that's totally true. People did that with Shabazz Muhammad too when he came into the league. Mm, that's thinking amazing. that he was like the next great thing. That's and, I mean, RJ kind of looks like Shabazz right now, but I mean, not that bad. Wow. I'm not going to say that bad.
1: Jeez. But, Y'all are not I mean, pulling similar punches player. Today. Similar player. Y'all are not pulling punches today. Alright, moving on. Denver Nuggets not looking good right now. Specifically, Jamal Murray, man. That one has been disappointing for me to observe because i was a believer in jamal murray after the bubble are we buying or selling this denver nuggets team as pretty much just an average team at this point
2: i am well i'm buying that statement but i'm selling my stocks on on the nuggets and i'm never buying it again like <laughs> i i am completely insulted i'm disappointed wow. and i'm pissed off Wow. because i usually i usually don't move away from my beliefs and this time i did for, for them because Maybe I fell in love with the fact that they beat, you know, my the team that I hate the most in the Clippers and I wanted to believe in Jamal Murray so much. But again, this team is dealing with immaturity and leadership issues that it's just I I feel like I'm repeating myself to what, you know, I was saying in the playoffs when I just I, I didn't want to believe in them, I didn't want to believe in them, but they kept winning, they kept winning. So I just felt like I had to. And then this season, here they go again young and immature, they have a bunch of talent, a bunch of useful pieces, but it's, just, it's not going to come together and I'm never buying uh, uh, stocks into the Nuggets again. And I regrettably say that Jamal Murray was going to win Most Approved Player because that's not going to happen. Mm. That's not going to happen. That, that's atrocious. That's atrocious. And I'm mad at myself that I even believed in this team. So Wow. Wow. This is how you get people – Who you know try to get out
0: of their own you know headspace, try to get out of their own ideological bubble, and then they step one foot outside of it and realize that they were right the whole time. So I mean, I I credit I credit Julio for thinking like that, but actually I'm not worried about Jamal Murray. Um, He came back and dropped like 30 and 33 in back to back games. I'm not saying he's gonna do what he did in the bubble, but he'll be fine. The main concern I have is the Nuggets are uh, the number 28 defense in the league right now, Mm. and. I don't know if there's much room for improvement from there because, I mean, they can try a little harder, sure, but also, you know, the personnel is not great. Losing Jeremy Grant, not great. You know, Paul Millsap is a year old and Michael Porter is not uh, getting any better on that end, at least so far this season. And, and you know, Gary Harris, like, I don't know what happened to him. I said in the group chat he's the first 22-year-old to peak at 22 and to climb. Like, <laughs> And, and, you know, Will Barton, I want Will Barton to be better, too. But, you know, I, I just wish Denver could stop, you know, winning in spite of itself and start winning because of themselves. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish I could make that make sense more. Because last year, they won all those playoff series in spite of themselves. Like, they were playing bad and then got the kind of motivation, the, the internal juice to win those series and come back 3-1. to one. They can't rely on that. They can't be the team that goes down 3-1 to one and keeps on building themselves back up, even though... We applaud it when we see it. We like, you know, seeing teams fight, but it's not sustainable. And this should have been the year that they figure out how to win and the early results, you know, not great. So I'm saying that they're probably going to end up being like a middle of the pack West team. And I don't know if they're going to challenge the top teams like they did last year.
1: Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um... I'm buying them, uh, not as a, a fringe team. Like right now, I think they're on like the cusp of the playoffs, like they're the eighth or ninth seed or something like that. I think they definitely make the playoffs, but there's not much past the first round for them. So I, I buy on them being an average team for all the reasons you guys brought up. Let's stick in the West. Let's head over to Dallas, who kind of similar situation, not looking very good, um, not nearly as good as we thought they, were look, they would look after the bubble last year. Um, particularly Luca. Are are we buying or selling this Dallas team as a fringe playoff team?
2: Um. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell the way that they're performing right now and, and bet on them improving, just because it's so dependent on Luca Doncic's performance. And does he get 32? Does he get 28? Does he get 35 point game nights? Yes, but it doesn't. It just it's not. He's not playing well Mm-mm. and. Like, a, a lot of these numbers uh, are inflated, and it's just a product of him shooting a lot and having the ball a lot. His, his usage rate is so high. And, yeah, th- this team has taken a step back, a, a big step back from how they what they showed and how they performed in the bubble. Hopefully the return of Chris Stapp's kind of boosts and, and helps them. But I'm, I'm willing to bank that they're going to improve just because it's so dependent on Luca, and I just have to believe that he's going to turn it up and, and improve as the season goes along. Mm-hmm. I was
0: going to say that. I think even though we kind of, or at least I, talked about Chris Stapps as a you know, disappointing guy because last year he was like a 7'3 dude who never took any shots inside the paint. But the truth is they kind of need his ability to space the floor as a center and drag the opposing, you know, defense out toward the perimeter because I mean there's just no space for Dallas to operate right now. Um, I mean the team is shooting 32.2% on threes and Luka, you know, as the head of the snake of that is only shooting like 20%. So one that kind of speaks to Luka was talking about earlier in the year about he needs to take better shots. I kind of feel like he's in his head a little bit and he's afraid to take those step backs that he would miss every once in a while but when he makes them They, you know, look spectacular. But, again, it's like he needed to improve his efficiency this year, and it's not improving so far. And then also, you know, losing Seth Curry is is huge. Mm. Like I predicted, you had the number one offense in the league last year. You don't build around your offense, and you try to do this, you know, two-way deal. You know, fine, they're number 10 and number 11 in offense and defense right now, but, you know, it's not the same, right? Like these things. So... that's the thing it's like losing shooting not only you know takes away from your explosive scoring but then also has the side effect of reducing spacing and has another side effect of Luca having to work harder to get his buckets so again like there's a lot of ripple effects with this and they really need Chris Stapps back to see what they have so in terms of buying or selling maybe this is a cheap out but I don't want to say until Chris Stapps get gets back but I'm just saying that again you know build around your strength right like Luca as a as your star they should have built around him better and, and not traded Seth Curry off the team.
1: I think I'm gonna buy this team as well. I'm gonna buy them as like a fringe fringe, like I could see them as a seventh, maybe sixth top seed. But I will say that no matter what, given that you have a guy like Luca, you're always gonna have a shot once you get in the dance. Just because of the type of dude that he is and the way that he can heat up given the moment, as we saw last year against the Clippers when he pulled out two games on them without Chris Stapps. So the way that they're playing right now, it's not looking pretty. Um, it's unfortunate because I did think Luka had another step to take, a minor step just to that, that upper echelon of the NBA, but he's just not there yet. I've heard murmurs of his kind of being out of shape. That's what some of the basketball heads are saying, that he doesn't look like he's in shape. and That's kind of forcing him into some bad habits. But at the end of the day, I, I, I'm not going to be the one. There's certain guys in sports that I don't like to bet against. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Luka Doncic is kind of becoming one of them. I don't like to bet against that dude, so um, I don't think that they just, given the talent in the West, they reach that top five seed, but if they're a sixth seed, I could easily see them push out, Uh, what would that be, the third seed that they play? I could easily, you know, just off of a crazy series by Luka Doncic, taking a team out. But,
0: you know, if they're, if they're kind of the seventh seed, like they were last year again this season, as they were last season, I don't know, does that say anything about the kind of player Luca is, or the kind of team Dallas is building.
1: I would say it's or, more the latter, that they just didn't the do a ladder, good enough. The job. second one. Yeah. Because, um, I
0: mean, they, they should be better. Like, they, yeah. they, they should have taken a step forward. Yeah.
1: All right. Last but not least, and arguably the most interesting one, Eddie, you get to toot your own horn a little bit. The Philadelphia 76ers are currently sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference with only one loss to their name. They have the guy we were just talking about, Seth Curry. Um, just watching even highlights from their games it's doing wonders for guys like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are we buying especially now that we talked about Spencer Dinwiddie in the Brooklyn Nets are we buying the 76ers team as potentially the Eastern Conference champion um
2: so i i'm of the opinion that you know for last season you know the season before this one uh you know, at the beginning of the season, I predicted that they would be coming out of the East just off pure talent and how how many players that they had this year. At the beginning of the season, I said that they improved because of Danny Green, even though he's not shooting that great, uh, and especially Seth Curry. Um, and their record is indicating that they are they are going to be a top team in the East, and I. Uh, I'm comfortable with saying that they are going to have the best record in the East. What I'm not comfortable saying is that they're going to be a strong. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll be a strong, but they won't be, you know, in the regular season, they will be a top dog, but they're not going to be the top dog in the playoffs. Um, and that's off of pure, you know, disbelief for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I love Ben Simmons. I don't really like Joel Embiid, but both of them kind of present this, lack of effort or energy and leadership. And with that team, I just don't think that – Tobias Harris showed out last game, but he's not that Jimmy Butler type that I feel like they need, A, leadership-wise, and B, when games get close. Can Doc Rivers put them in better positions? Yes. Has he? Yes. Do they have better players surrounding those two You know, superstars? Yes. But at the end of the day, I just feel like you still need – Last-minute scoring punches like Jimmy Butler. And there's just no way for me to believe that they can beat the Nets. Um, But will they be a top dog in the regular season? Sure. I
1: I would argue that it's Joel Embiid, man. Like I know it's kind of weird to think about a post player as that last guy that you go to to get a bucket. But we see it with Jokic a lot. And I think Joel Embiid can be capable of the same thing, especially now that you have guys like Danny Green and Seth Curry. And, you know, a team's going to have to think twice about coming down and doubling you. Before, I didn't have to worry about that. I could come down and double you and you'd pass out to freaking Al Horford. And I wouldn't have to worry about that, right? But now, I'm not worried. Like, now i got to think twice about coming down and doubling you. And Joel Embiid, at least to this point in the season, he showed he's capable of making those passes out of doubles. So, I'm I I would hesitant to, to agree with you. I, I don't think I, I see lethargy from Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I'd argue the opposite. They seem almost more I, hype about the team than they have been in years past.
2: I guess the best comparison I can make is that I feel like they can be the Milwaukee Bucks of the last two seasons.
1: Oh, no. They're, they're not have, that easily stop they're, gonna stop
2: have, they're No, but just in terms of they're going to have the best record in the regular season, but when it comes time to the playoffs, they're going to – you know, second rounder, maybe even a third round exit, but it's just not going to look great in the playoffs against the top teams. Mm.
1: Let's say you. Ed. So,
2: I mean, obviously, because I I called
0: Philly as the, you know, Eastern favorites to begin the year, and, and they look like it right now. I'm not going to sell that right now, but I will say that they've played a semi-easy schedule to begin the season, and, you know, the one loss that they did have, Joel Embiid wasn't playing, but, you know, when Joel Embiid plays. And he's on the floor. They're outscoring teams by, you know, 24 points per 100 possessions. Like, just him being on the floor, and I know, you know, we talk about his limitations or whatever, but Julio doesn't like him. But he's a a truly impactful player, and he's looked really engaged this year. And remember last year when everyone was talking about they're trying to be the number one defense in the league by getting all these dudes who can defend and and are super bad or whatever? Well, I mean, they're they're the number one defense this year, which is – you know, total credit to uh, to Daryl Morey realizing that when you have Simmons and NB there, you don't have to go above and beyond in terms of defensive personnel to build the best defense in the league. And I believe that they can finish the season as the top defense and, you know, still have guys like Seth Curry in the lineup provide that sort of spacing with the shooting and the sort of gravity with the shooting. And, I mean, right now off the bench they have Shake Milton who's like inconsistent but I like. Um, and, and again, like I think they have room again, like down the line to add kind of like uh, complementary pieces by trade that will make their team even better. But I mean, right now I'm, I'm buying the Sixers as the favorite because again, the defense is really legit to me. It can compete in the regular season in a seven game series, and the offense is still not totally clicking. And they're already, you know, this successful. I think Simmons and Embiid working together, and and what Doc Rivers is trying to do is still trying to. You know, it's still working itself out. And Tobias Harris, I think, is just going to look better as the season goes on. He looks way more comfortable. And then, again, like the shooting, it, it changes everything.
1: Including... Hey, hey, look, hey. look
2: at Eddie acknowledging defense.
1: Right, right, like, yes. Good, good on it. you, man. I, I,
2: I appreciate defense. And by the way, if you're
0: Philly and you have Embiid and Simmons, you should be building around your defense. You should be thinking about how do I maximize your defensive capability that that's that's my whole ethos build around
1: your strength shoot, this bro. is this is this is beautiful this is a beautiful thing also Eddie you mentioned the bench i i think i'd be remiss if i didn't mention one of my rookies man Tyrese Maxey he that's a guy who's having an immediate impact i i think the chemistry between him and uh Uh, Dwight Howard that's developing is looking pretty good off the bench you know it's kind of simple but because of a pick and roll but he's at least proven that you can't just go under that pick and roll and he won't pull it and and make you pay for it so I think that's just something to watch
0: I I will say that I hope come playoff time or later in the season you know Philly stops playing Dwight Howard because he's not going to be playable come playoff time and they stagger Ben and Joel's minutes a little more and play Ben at the five because I mean, I'm not saying he's not playable, but I want to see them play Ben at the five more. Because you can stagger oh, sure. those minutes. That's fine. Like you don't have to play the bench and bring Dwight Howard in as the first man off the bench. I mean, because again, like you can play a, a totally different style when you move Ben to the five, and you know you can surround him with shooters and play fast. Bring Joel in the game, then you can play you know a ground and pound game. You can do a lot
2: of things with this team. I think they just have to start unlocking more and more of it. Mm. I mean, that's fair, but Dwight Howard can be very useful in, you know, certain situations. Like, he can't be very, very useful.
1: Believe us, we know. <laughs> we won a championship yeah. with him. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> I mean,
2: and he's, he's like, but did you? But did
1: you? Hey, man. In
2: certain situations. Saying, I, no, no, that,
0: that's true. That's true. I just, you know, it's like they don't have to play two bigs all the damn time. You know, like, it's not 2012. Oh, here we go.
1: <laughs> and now Eddie's like now now we're that there's the Eddie we all know and love man <laughs> all right anyways man I think that'll do it for this episode all good stuff and all this stuff is going to remain to be seen what happens for the rest of these teams throughout the rest of the season and beyond but we'll be with you all the way this is hoop and holler thank you guys so much for tuning in go check out the twitter and the instagram at sqr1 hoops that is at sqr1 hoops thanks for tuning in and we will see y'all next time
0: This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.